This episode of the Children's Literature Podcast is brought to you by Ableskiver. Ableskiver. Those are those ball-shaped pancakes from Denmark and you put strawberries and whipped cream on top. Hang on, I'll be right back. I gotta go make some. Welcome to the Children's Literature Podcast. I'm your host, TQ Townsend. This episode is about Number the Stars by Lois Lowry. In 2024, I've decided to pay extra attention to historical fiction written for children. On Saturday, it was the Holocaust Day of Remembrance. This isn't one of those days on the calendar where you go, oh, yippee, that'll be so fun to celebrate. It's not fun, and you don't celebrate. But you do remember. But after we remember the horrific crimes against 6 million Jews and 3 million other people, who mainly belong to other persecuted minority groups, you have to move on to hope. And the most famous children's book about hope after the Holocaust is Number the Stars by Lois Lowry. Before we discuss this book, which has been one of my favorites ever since I was a kid, I want to encourage you listeners to let me know about your favorite works of historical fiction for children. If you have an idea, send that in to letters at childrensliteraturepodcast.com. I also wanted to say thanks to all of you who have shown a little love to the YouTube channel. I had really only used it as a side project, somewhere I could post little videos that might be useful to parents and teachers who are reading various books with their kids. For example, I have videos in both English and Spanish demonstrating how to crochet Esperanza's zigzag blanket from Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. I also have a quick explanation about how the character of Karana used a natural tar that washes up on California beaches so she can seal her canoe in Island of the Blue Dolphins by Scott O'Dell. But as Google Podcasts is going to be rolled into YouTube in the coming months, I thought it was worth doing a little bit more over there. The podcast feed now goes to YouTube, giving you one more place to listen. And when I have extra time, I'll do more video reviews of on-screen adaptations of children's literature. I'm grateful to all of you for the warm response you gave to my review of the movie Wonka. Any feedback you can give will be helpful. And if you have suggestions for any other films or TV shows based on a children's book that you'd like me to review, just let me know. I also wanted to mention a newly published book that I only learned about a few weeks ago. It's also related to this week's topic of Holocaust remembrance, and it's titled The Tree of Life. My show is focused on fiction, and this is a work of nonfiction, but this struck me as a very special book that's well worth telling you about. Written by Elisa Boxer with pictures by Aliana Rosenzweig, it tells the story of a sapling planted in secret by children imprisoned in the Terezin Ghetto, which is located in modern-day Czechia. Despite being in a situation that must have seemed hopeless, the tree became a symbol of resilience and survival. After the war, hundreds of cuttings were taken from the maple tree, and just as Holocaust survivors branched out all over the world in the years after the war, so did the children of this very special tree. Have a box of tissues handy when you read this book. It hits you right in the heart, because it's so hopeful and yet so sad at the same time. It's the kind of book that has something to offer children of all backgrounds, with a message that no matter how much the world has gone wrong, there's always hope for the future. 
Number the Stars by Lois Lowry is a book that most kids will recognize from the prominent place it occupies in school libraries. It's one of the all-time great children's books, having won the Newbery Medal in 1990 and winning the National Jewish Book Award in the category of children's literature. The main character is Anna-Marie Johansson, a Danish Christian girl who lives in Copenhagen. That might seem odd at first. Why write a book about Jews escaping the Holocaust? from the point of view of a non-Jew. But this was actually a very clever choice on the author's part for this particular story. One of the reasons the Holocaust happened was that too many non-Jews did nothing to stop it. Even if they didn't actually work at a death camp, the majority of Europeans offered no resistance to the deliberate campaign to marginalize, disenfranchise, deport, and finally extinguish the Jews. In fact, lots of them seemed pretty happy about it. This is a painful truth, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. And among those who disapproved of state-sponsored genocide, too many sat by, afraid to speak up for fear of punishment. There was one country where this wasn't the case, and that was Denmark. An example of solidarity was set right at the top, with King Christian X apparently saying that if Danish Jews were ever made to wear a yellow star, he would wear one too. Christian was the first European monarch I'm aware of who made an official visit to a synagogue, and this visit happened shortly after Hitler came to power in Germany in 1933. Christian's advisors warned him that he might not want to visit the Copenhagen synagogue, as this might antagonize their significantly larger, more powerful, and rabidly anti-Semitic neighbor to the south. But King Christian didn't care. He went anyway. Three years later, he would personally help finance the evacuation of the Jews in boats like the one described in Number the Stars. Germany invaded Denmark on the 9th of April, 1940. The battle lasted only a few hours, with the tiny Danish army being instantly overwhelmed. There was nothing Denmark could have done. The country's completely flat, which offers no resistance to an invading army or any place for defenders to dig in. At the outbreak of World War II, Denmark had nowhere near the population size that would have allowed them to resist the numerically and technologically superior German force. The nation's leaders made what I feel was the correct choice. They accepted occupation, and by not resisting, they were able to preserve the lives of their people, as well as their homes, businesses, and infrastructure. The occupation was not pleasant, though, and Denmark was plundered, with food and resources being seized to supply the hungry German army. A fierce underground resistance movement developed, and the Danes did what they could to assert their rights, mainly through strong solidarity with all citizens, including Jews. By seeing the plot of Number the Stars through the eyes of a non-Jewish character, Lois Lowry is able to accomplish a few things. First, a Jewish character would already understand how dangerous it was to be a Jew under Nazi occupation. For children to learn about and empathize with those who fled the Holocaust, they need to open their eyes in the same way that Anna Marie does. Second, Anna Marie serves as an example of someone who chooses not to stand by when an atrocity happens. When a minority group is persecuted, each of us has a choice. We can stand by and let it happen, or we can fight against it in whatever way we're able to. A little girl could never accomplish anything by taking up arms against an invading army, but she can protect a friend. She can be courageous while running an important errand without asking what she's doing or why. She can keep her cool when she's questioned by cruel soldiers with vicious dogs. 
The message is, if a little girl can do this, what could be accomplished if the rest of us stick together? Number the Stars takes place in the autumn of 1943, when children like Anna Marie and her little sister Kirsty would have little memory of life before the war. Lowry does a great job giving specific examples of everyday items that were scarce for Danes because the Germans took them for themselves. Butter, cheese, and sugar were almost impossible to get. There was no coffee. Even leather was hard to come by. And a funny moment in the book happens when little Kirsty is upset that her new shoes are made of fish skins. Sea leather, as it was called, was just one example of the kind of replacement goods that Scandinavians had to come up with during the war. When disruption to trade and the constant destruction of both factories and the goods they produced meant that many ordinary items were unavailable. Most fictional views of World War II happen from the perspective of adults. Number the Stars reminds us that an entire generation of kids had to do their best to just grow up during the most destructive conflict in human history. Your own kids can learn a lot from researching what sorts of items were and were not available during the war in various countries. They can also learn about the creative substitutions that people came up with as well as think about what they would do if common food and clothing items were suddenly unavailable today. While war shortages must have been very stressful for ordinary families, they also encouraged people to be more economical and less wasteful. Even if you and your kids live somewhere that's peaceful and prosperous, and I hope you do, you could still benefit from lessons learned in wartime helping you save money, cause less environmental harm, and be more appreciative of what you have. The plot of this novel is simple enough. Anna Marie witnesses what happens when the Jews find out that they will all be arrested and deported, and they make plans to escape. Readers are given no information beyond what Anna Marie knows. There are no high-level politics or any overview of history. We only see what Anna Marie sees. She sees the soldiers on the streets. She sees them come into her home to search for Jewish neighbors who have gone missing and she sees the Star of David necklace around her friend Ellen's neck just in the nick of time, removing it so that it can be safely hidden away instead of announcing to the world that Ellen is Jewish. Anna Marie's family helps Ellen to escape, passing her off as one of their own as they sneak her to the boat that will carry her to Sweden. The adults tell the children as little as possible, which is wise. They don't wish to involve the children if it can be helped, and the less everyone knows, the less could be revealed to the occupying Germans. This is a very important point that you could discuss with your children. There are many times in life when kids should ask questions, challenge authority, and keep digging until they know the full truth. And then there are times when this is not what should be done. Sometimes it's important to trust and obey without question. Sometimes demanding more information or stopping to ask questions is dangerous or just inappropriate. It's not always easy to know for sure when a moment's come that truly requires trust with no questions asked. But hopefully by examining Anna Marie's trust in and obedience to her mother, kids can begin to get an idea. Anna Marie did not know what she was doing when she carried a bundle from her mother to her Uncle Henrik down at the docks. Had she asked, she may not have had the courage to go through with it but it turns out that this bundle carries a critically important item which saves the lives of every person hiding on Uncle Henrik's boat. It's a handkerchief infused with rabbit's blood and cocaine. That can seem like the oddest thing in the world, 
but it was a real piece of wartime wizardry designed by scientists and used by members of the Danish resistance to fool guard dogs that had been trained to sniff out people hiding in boats. The blood attracted the dogs, and the cocaine temporarily made their noses go numb. One sniff of the hanky, or any hands that had recently held it, and the dogs were useless. Older kids would enjoy researching the development of these handkerchiefs, and perhaps it might encourage them to learn about other scientific inventions that aided the war effort. Although Number the Stars works perfectly as just a thrilling adventure story, at its heart it's really about human beings refusing to turn their backs on one another. Anna Marie and Ellen have different ethnic backgrounds and religions, but that doesn't stop them from being best friends. In fact, when Ellen needs help, Anna Marie symbolically makes her part of her family, using the identity of her dead sister to keep her safe. Before they even consider distinctions such as Jew and Christian, they remember the identities they share. Friends. Danes. Human beings. These days, in civilized places anyway, the ideal is to allow the freedom to believe and worship as any individual chooses or chooses not to. I fully agree with this, but I will say a side effect of rising secularism is that many kids are going to struggle with being fully culturally literate if they're not at least a little familiar with the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. There are simply too many works of literature that reference the Bible to ignore it. The title of Number the Stars refers to Psalm 147. In the novel, this psalm is read out to pass the time while the anxious Jewish refugees wait for the right moment to head to the boats that will take them to safety. This passage was not chosen at random, and children who read Number the Stars will have a deeper understanding of it if they consider the text of Psalm 147 and the way its words resonate with the evacuation of Danish Jews. I recommend reading Psalm 147 with your kids before reading Number the Stars, and then try reading it once again after you've finished the book. You can have a discussion about the themes in this poem and how they echo events in the story. Drawing out meaning from the Psalms and comparing them to present-day life is a long Jewish tradition, and many Christians have continued it as well. Very ambitious students might try their hand at setting the lyrics of this psalm to an original tune, or perhaps learning one of the musical settings that already exist. Whether or not children follow any kind of religious practice, it's important to understand how the psalms have been drawn on to find meaning in one's life by both Christians and Jews. In Number the Stars, when Jewish refugees and their Christian friends listen to the words of Psalm 147 together under the same roof, this is a powerful symbol of their shared humanity. There is very little happiness to be found in any story about the Holocaust, but what happened in Denmark is a bright spot in the history of World War II. The Danish government did its best to warn the Jewish community that they were in danger, and the Swedish government stood at the ready to help. On top of that, ordinary Danish and Swedish people also came to help. There were just under 8,000 Jews in Denmark in the fall of 1943, and this rescue effort managed to get more than 7,000 of them to Sweden on little boats that made the short journey across the Uresund Strait. About 500 Jews were rounded up and deported to a concentration camp, but the Danish government made repeated strenuous objections until almost all of them were returned safely. These people were viewed as Danes first, and the solidarity of the Danish people with their Jewish compatriots 
meant that over 99% of Danish Jews were saved from the Holocaust. This is a fact that makes me both happy and sad. I'm happy that the people of Denmark stuck together and that so many lives were saved. But I'm also sad because this story proves that the Holocaust was not inevitable. All it took was enough people standing up to say no. And unfortunately, in most of the places conquered by the Third Reich, this didn't happen. There is always reason to hope, even in the darkest times. Each of us can contribute in our own way to the idea that every human life is precious. If we can remember that, the injustices of the past will not be repeated. All it takes is the kind of quiet, ordinary courage seen in characters like Anna Marie Johansson from Number the Stars. You've been listening to the Children's Literature Podcast. Please subscribe and give the show a rating. Send comments to letters at childrensliteraturepodcast.com. I'm your host, TQ Townsend. Thanks for listening.